can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. All right, Celtics fans, we are back with another episode of Boston Celtics Game Day Recap. I'm your host, Guy DiPlacido, and I'm accompanied by longtime Celtics fan, Mr. Rob Cameron. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Guy. Good to, glad to be here. Can't wait to talk about the C's win tonight. Absolutely. Celtics are coming off of a very exciting 120-106 win against the Fairly hot Toronto Raptors, uh, 4-1 and one in their last five games here uh, this month. Uh, but I want to start today's podcast off, same as normal, uh, go through player of the game, uh, and then we'll dive into some of the positives of today. Um, the back half, do want to touch on some of the negatives, uh, as well as uh, JB's injury. Uh, but start off, Rob, I'll pass it over to you here. Who do you have for player of the game today? Well, I think it's um, pretty easy for me. I'm going to go with um, Semi, 24 points, a career high, the six rebounds. He didn't have any assists or anything, but he was getting it going from three, which when Semi hits a three, I love it. And um, I just think without a doubt it was Semi. It could have went to JB with the 10 assists and kind of a complete game from JB uh, defensively and everything. But just with the points, it just – him getting it going from three, I'm going to go with Semi, especially with him in the starting lineup. So, Yeah, and, and one of the things that I noticed today, and it was, it was just like made me as happy as I've been this season, is the Celtics had ten corner threes. Yeah. Ten yes, corner yeah. threes. And, and almost all of them. I mean, it's, it's a mixture of Shemi and... Pritchard, I think Shemi. I think he had like four or five by himself. Kemba, yeah. I think, had one, and then Pritchard had three or four. So, you know, overall, it was a it was a really fun game to watch for Shemi. Uh, like you mentioned, I mean, it wasn't just. I mean, obviously, he was hitting from three all day long. He ended six of eight. Uh, but some of the things that you know kind of jumped out to me outside of that. I mean, he had he deed up Siakam pretty well. Siakam yeah. still got his, but you know, overall, a pretty solid, solid defensive effort from him as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he held Siakam at bay for the most part, and it was a good matchup. I love the fact that it wasn't two bigs. I know you're big against not having the two bigs out there, and I think it worked out perfectly that that it wasn't Tristan and Daniel out there, and it was somebody like Semi who could space the floor, and he's probably your best defender maybe for a wing. I mean. When it comes down to it, he can kind of stop some people. So he was he was being physical. He was out there. He was noticeable. And he just had himself a game. Like you said, he had six threes. And he was two for two from the line as well. And he really – he just had it going on, really. It just seemed like it was the perfect time for Brad to put him in the lineup and let him start firing. Yeah. Yeah, overall, very impressed with what he did today. Uh, and it was a couple, too. I mean, he had a couple of transition baskets – uh, but he also had one beautiful Euro step uh, that ended up driving, getting fouled for, and made his free throws. So, you know, it's a it's a really solid, complete game for him. Uh, so I know you touched on, you know, Jalen Brown getting his career-high 10. And I was, was kind of debating on him for player of the game. And I was kind of going between him and Tatum. Because both of them really stepped up and had their assist numbers skyrocket today. 
But I think the guy that I need to go with here is Peyton Pritchard. Yep. And I think that's perfect. You know, so here's here's the thing, and I am so impressed with the level of play that he's been playing with this year. The guy ended with 20 points, five rebounds and assists, two offensive rebounds, which is huge. Huge for a tiny guy. Exactly. 6 of 10 from the field, 6 of 8 from 3. He had one of the deepest threes <laughs> that I've seen this year. I joked about it on Twitter. I said that he was shooting from the north end on one of them. He was like eight yeah. feet back, it seemed like. He must have been watching some Steph Curry highlights over you, the last couple of You know days. what I mean? You know what I mean? It's, I it's impressive. But the thing, that, the thing that jumps out to me the most, Rob, and I'll, I'll ask you the same if you feel the same way, I think he is – right up there with as one of the best defenders on our team because if you look at it he was stuck on Siakam a couple times deed him up pretty well he was on Van Vliet for the majority of his minutes and pretty much shut him down Van Vliet ended the night five points two of nine shooting and if you look at the way Peyton Pritchard plays you know he keeps his hands up very rarely gets called for the reaching foul and moves his feet very well for a rookie. So I'll ask you, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm just like overly hyped with this kid, but is someone else seeing this defense or is it just me? No, I completely agree. He plays great defense. He's always moving his feet. And I mean, from the time you're young playing the game of basketball, everybody's always telling you to move your feet, keep your hands off. And that's what Peyton Bridget does. He's not the biggest guy, but he's not afraid to play defense. And like you said, he got switched off. He ended up on Siakam, and he had to defend against Siakam. Um, and he did a good, great job against Fred Van Fleet. I mean, holding Fred Van Fleet to five points is um, a pretty good accomplishment. I know it wasn't him the whole time, but he comes off the bench, and he just gives this team what they need. I mean, those that week and a half or two weeks, whatever you want to call it, and he was out of the lineup, I think that, that hurt. I mean, it hurts not having Marcus Smart now, but, like, he's he's – probably the steal of the draft and he's playing defensively hit that long three goes to the basket offensive rebounds I mean I don't know how many offensive rebounds he has in total this year it's not something I looked at as a stat but I feel like it's been more than once where he's going up and you're pulling down an offensive rebound and you're like you notice it because he's in huge small spots guy that isn't bigger than anybody else on the floor and he's pulling down offensive rebounds he just gets in there and finds a way so yeah, I just love the whole makeup of him as a player. And I kind of said it when he was drafted to like people that I know. I was like, I think that Peyton Pritchard's a steal over anybody else. I don't think Aaron Neesmith, that he hasn't shown much, but I thought Peyton Pritchard was the guy when they got him. So it's worked out pretty good so far. And the thing that I love the most, Jeff Teague, zero minutes. Yep. Hey, I <laughs> that to you dnp I, I was like seeing it the whole time and he emptied the bench and taco and tremont waters and carson edwards come out on the floor and no jeff teague just sitting there in the corner by himself he didn't one or two times i don't know if you saw it they scanned the bench and scal was talking <laughs> and teague didn't even get up so teague must have known he was either riding the pine pony all night or something because he didn't get up and i was like thank god i don't have to see that stupid runner or a bad three or anything <sighs> like that all right, so so 
I'm gonna we'll, we'll talk about this later in the podcast because I do want to talk about JB and the potential TP option, and I, I'm gonna bring Jeff T back into the mix there. But that's that's one of the things I love about Peyton Pritchard playing well is we get minutes taken away from Teak. Yeah, so that's, that's perfect. <laughs> you know, addition by subtraction, as I like to call it. So um, I do want to talk about. Both of the Rain and Jays tonight. Because if you look at the the last couple of games, actually, realistically, the whole season, uh, the Celtics have really lacked on assist numbers. Last game ended the night with 16. Tonight, we had 30 assists on 38 makes. And a large portion of that came from the two Rain and Jays. JB with 10, Tatum with 9. What have you seen so far in their game that, has really switched the way that they saw the game today. You know, first of all, I think that when those two pass, I think that in most situations it's an automatic win for the Celtics. I don't know if you feel the same way on that, but when I watch these two be playmakers with still being able to score, JB only had 12 points, Tatum had 17, but it made them a better all-around team. 30 assists, like you said, we haven't seen that from them and so long they didn't do it against Utah. They didn't do it the whole five games. They were on the road really. So these two in the mix, passing the basketball nine, 10, I was hoping Tatum would pull up a double, double and get 10 as well, but obviously fell one short, but when they pass in their playmakers and they're distributing the basketball, it just leads to wins and it leads to them having success. I think I could look back with game three or four with Tatum on the floor when he had that 10 assists, the Celtics blew out whoever they played. And I think Brown had seven that night. And those two passing off each other, they were hitting threes. The whole team was hitting threes. And they were scoring at a high level. And that's what they did tonight. They put up 120 points. And the night before, they couldn't even crack 100. So yeah. um, it's just it's a tough situation when they're not passing. But when they are passing, it's just – it's easier basketball to watch. It's silky smooth. They did have a lot of turnovers tonight. I think they finished with 13, but like that's not a terrible number because they still scored at a high rate. So 18, but we'll talk about that too in the, in the second half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. So here's here's my take, and I, like you've played basketball, you understand the game, and I get that. So my big thing with you know watching J- Jason Tatum and JB run the offense, and lead the team in assists, they're constantly putting a lot of pressure on this defense. The Celtics can shoot. And this is kind of, this is kind of if you look back at like Golden State days, um, all of the players around Steph Curry shot well from three. And a lot of it comes down to the fact that, you know, they're requiring defenses to double anytime they touch the ball. So when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are constantly driving and looking to dish, somebody is open. And that's what you saw tonight. You saw, I mean, that's what happens with the corner three. That's, all, that's really all it is. It's not like anyone's going to try and create a shot in the corner. A corner three is basically a result of an open shot every time. So that to me is the, like the most important part. Both of the Jays, for the most part, Shot horrible today. Exactly, yeah. You know, Tatum 5 of 13, Jalen Brown 3 of 14. 
Like, yeah. neither of them. If you looked at that stat line and you weren't looking at it and somebody told you that stat line from your best two players, you'd probably think it resulted in a loss. Oh, no and chance I'd say they won. No chance. Yeah, against anybody. You could be playing You could be playing a bottom-barrel team and you'd hear, oh, your best two players shot that. Well, they lost that game, and it's a game they shouldn't have lost, but they beat a team that was, like you said, 4-1 and one in their last five because they were passing the basketball and they were being playmakers. So, yeah, I mean, there were there were three players that scored twenty plus points. Neither of them were Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That to me is just a crazy stat. One that I don't think is going to happen again this year, but it's kind of fun to watch. Like the whole team was just going after it, and yeah, I do want to talk about that other guy because out of the three guys, we've already talked about Shemi, we've already talked about Pritchard, both who played fantastic. The other guy today was Kemba. And I've been very wary of saying Kemba's back because he has a great performance and then falls flat. He has a decent performance and then falls flat. Tonight... Probably his best night, 21 points, 5 of 8 from 3, 6 of 6 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal. So really solid stat line tonight. I mean, as far as Kemba goes, because I want to hear your thoughts on this just from the season in general because I haven't talked to you, but I mean, so far, what have you seen from Kemba throughout the season and kind of what are your thoughts on the performance tonight? Yeah, the performance tonight was great to see, especially shooting from three. Um, I feel like the three's been a little flat for him. It's been a little front rim sometimes. It hasn't just been the shot that has been there for him in times past when he's been cardiac Kemba. Like, everybody knows him. When he was in Charlotte, he could hit that shot. It hasn't been there, but it was there tonight, um, and that's what led him to getting 21 points. But honestly... On the season, it just hasn't been fun to watch. I'd kind of rather Peyton Pritchard in the starting lineup or when Marcus was there. I just always felt like Kemba was a letdown because, like you said, he had those good games, but they weren't great games or they weren't the games that you were expecting Kemba to have. Like, um, I don't know, like the money you paid to get Kemba and bring him here. I always just thought you'd get somewhere from 16 to 22, maybe 24 points, five or six assists two or three rebounds every single night. I know he was hurt. I know that knee's bothering him, but it just doesn't seem like it's there. Like he, like you said, he had it tonight, but what happens tomorrow night when he comes out on the floor? Is he going to be flat? Is he going to be short rim and threes because that knee's not 100%? And I just don't know if he'll ever be 100% again, and I hope for his sake, for his career, he is because, I mean, Kemba's not that old, but it just doesn't seem like he's locked in, and maybe he came back a little bit too early because he wanted to get on the floor after being out in the playoffs last year. But um, I don't know, short rim. Yeah. Short rim and so, the other one the other night when he could have had the Celtics against the Lakers. It just seemed like everything's kind of short, flat, and not that same cardiac Kemba that everybody thought they were getting when he arrived here. Uh, yeah, and I, and I agree. And I, I actually, I said this early in his return. might have been second or third game that he played. He was still on his minutes restriction, still like trying to catch up to speed. Uh, 
I said that I wouldn't mind seeing him coming off the bench and giving the Celtics a legitimate scoring threat from the bench. And I got a lot of kickback on that because we're paying the guy $34 million. Uh, and next year that number is only going to go up. But, you know, if you look at the way that the offense played, at least the first week, Kemba was trying to do a lot. He was trying to he was trying to be himself, which you know after a long time of not playing, it's just not going to happen. Like he's still working back from that now, but like the offense did not run the same way when Kemba was in the game, and a lot of it kind of got pushed back on Jalen Brown. I still remember the first game that Kemba played. Jalen Brown, first six minutes of the game, touched the ball like three times, didn't score at all when Kemba was starting. And as soon as Kemba left, JB went off, scored nine points that quarter. So the offense just runs differently. And they're, they're start, it looks like they're starting to figure it out now a little bit. Um, I talked about in the last podcast, like I don't want to see Kemba shooting 20 shots unless he's absolutely feeling himself. And, you know, tonight he ended with 12. So, I mean, he I'm sure he listened to the podcast and heard every word I said about that <laughs> <laughs> and fixed it. But, uh, no, I mean, overall, it was, a, it was a really solid game for him, though. And I, I'm, I'm happy to, to see it, and I'm hoping that that does not change. Um, but the other, the other guy that I want to talk about here is Daniel Tice. And he's kind of the... He's where we'll wrap up the the player analysis at least. But, you know, end of the night, eight points, five rebounds, three assists. He also had two steals and four blocks, including two massive blocks late in the game. And, you know, they showed a stat before the game started. And Tice is currently ninth in the NBA in three-point percentage. With 46.9%. And since January 10th, he leads the NBA from three at 64%. And Daniel, and I want to hear your thoughts here because Daniel Tice has gotten more shit. Well, I guess besides Kemba, he has gotten more shit than anyone on this team. And... For me, I think he's been one of the most consistent players. Feel free to disagree with me on this, but like, what are your thoughts on Tice? Because I'm continuously impressed. Um, I'd love to call it a love hate relationship because when I watch him, I'm like, geez, I, I love it sometimes when he's hitting the three. Um, even opening night, taking it all the way back then when they played opening night against Milwaukee and I think in the first quarter he hit three threes and I was like if we get this version of Daniel Tice I'm all on board but there's just some nights where he doesn't seem engaged in the game and I can't fall in love with him like even tonight on that simple pick and pop with uh, Kyle Lowry and Aaron Baines Baines just rolled right past him and Tice was standing there with his feet like in the sand and I'm like twice yeah. Go to the basket, get back there and defend Aaron Baines. Aaron, we, we saw Aaron Baines here for a couple of years, and I love Aaron Baines. I love who he is as a player, but he's not a superstar, and Daniel Tice couldn't roll with him, and it frustrated me. And then 
Tice gets his back because he gets two blocks. So it's yeah. a hot and cold with them. Like I love him and I hate him. Like I said, it's a love hate relationship sometimes. But um, if it was me, he's someone that I would send to the bench because I'm a big Tristan Thompson fan. I always have been. I'd love to see Tristan start the game, maybe get you a couple offensive rebounds, give you some energy, and then a scorer like Tice, a good defender like Tice, comes off the bench and maybe gives you a boost in that sense because I still think the bench needs a boost. But, yeah, it's love-hate for me. Tonight it was love because he got those two blocks late. He had four blocks in total, like you said, two steals. So, I mean, that's a good sign. That's good defensive play, and you mentioned it. The shooting from three has been tremendous. So, you always take points where you can get them, even if it's from your big men stretching the floor. And he's definitely stretching the floor for us right now, and that's perfect. Yeah. And that sometimes makes that two-big lineup work is when he's hitting and Tristan's on the floor. But I just – I know you agree with me on this, that we hate the two-big lineup, and that needs to end. But yeah. I would love to have seen tonight just what it have done. They won the game, and Brad obviously had a game plan, and it worked against Siakam. But – if it was Tristan in the at the five, and then what would Tice have done if he came off the bench against someone like Baines or Chris Bush or something like that, and gave them even a little bit more defense than maybe a spark? So, but yeah, it's love hate for me. But like I said, tonight was all love for Daniel Tice. There you go. Well, there we have it. That is uh, that's where we'll wrap up the good portion of today. Overall, solid, solid win for the Celtics team. Uh, but I want to wrap up. I'm, do want to talk about some of the negatives. Before we do so, I'm going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. All right, guys, time for a new favorite sponsor alert, Venture Greens Nutrition. Venture Greens Nutrition is changing the nutrition game forever. They offer one-on-one coaching where they build macro-based diets to get you moving in the right direction. As great as the coaching is, what I love most about Venture Green Nutrition is their line of CBD products. They have tinctures, salves, beard care, and gear. And the best part is all Venture Green's Nutrition's products are formulated and manufactured in their own facilities in the United States. Check them out at VentureGreensNutrition.com. Use code CelticsTake15, that's CelticsTake15, for 15% off. You won't regret it. All right, Celtics fans, we are back for the back half of today's podcast. want to talk some of the negatives of today's game against the Raptors, uh, and then we'll dive into some potential TP options. Do want to talk about Jalen Brown's knee as well. Uh, but to get started, you know, I'll kick it over to you, Rob, because I want to hear your thoughts on, you know, really the negative parts of today, some of the shortcomings that we had. Yeah, I would just say for me, Guy, it goes to interior defense um, because they did have the blocks late, but I just think that inside they could just be a little bit better. They they do so well on the perimeter, it seems, with help, help defense and coming across and supporting each other on the outside and rotating well. I think they're a great rotational defense, but sometimes it just lacks on the inside and letting getting, letting opposing teams into the paint. Um, and it kind of happened tonight on one of those pick and pops and um, stuff like that. And it just kind of made me frustrated because I thought that's how Toronto was going to get back in the game. And we were going to be sitting here talking about maybe the Celtics winning by four or the Celtics winning by three or the Celtics having to pull off a buzzer beater or something because they weren't stopping the interior, it felt like. So, for me, it's interior defense, and 
I would just touch on the turnovers a little bit. 18 turnovers is a lot um, to win a game, and obviously they did win the game, so that's the good news out of that. But um, for me, it's just the interior, and maybe those TPEs that we talk about later come with a big or something that can really hold it down inside and limit teams to the points in the paint. Yeah. Yeah, and and for me, I mean, you you talked on it. It's it's turnovers, and that's kind of been, you know, the Celtics' calling card as far as negativity goes. I mean, it's that it's transition defense a lot of the times, and it's you know, realistically, it's going to be third quarter offense or just a lapse in one of the four quarters. But you know, tonight turnovers was the absolute killer. They had five turnovers in the first quarter, three in the second, six in the third, and had five in the fourth. So didn't really have a good quarter as far as turnovers go. You know, this Raptors team is number one in the league in forced turnovers per game, and they're number one in the league in points off turnovers. And tonight really was no different. You know, they had 17 points off turnovers. Uh, and that, that hurts. And that's in a game where we won by 14. I mean, the Celtics offense obviously carried us today. But, I mean, 17 points off of turnovers is an alarmingly high number. And I don't want to go too far into the weeds with some of these numbers and everything. But, you know, the Celtics need to figure figure that out. Like we saw today, I mean... JB had five, uh, and he's normally not a huge turnover guy. Uh, but if you look across, I mean, Kemba had five, JB had five. Uh, the rest of the team outside of that didn't do horrible, but <laughs> it's kind of hard when you have two guys that with 10, ten turnovers in a game. Yeah, ten, so, of, your, ten of your 18 come from two people and two people that should be the best people or two people that you should trust not to turn the ball over. I should say, especially in your starting point guy and Kemba Walker having five. And then like you said, JB with another five, it's just, it's not a recipe for success in the long run. I mean, you can't go around the NBA and play teams like Milwaukee or even I know Miami's struggling right now, but if you're going to turn the ball over against a team like Miami and they're going to run with Jimmy Butler and that crew, they're going to beat you and they're going to beat you with points off of turnovers. And if you play any team out West and turn the ball over 18 times, you're automatically going to lose if you ask me right yeah. now. So yep. um, those, they just have to shore that up, make the, make the right passes, make clean passes. And um, you don't always have to rush. You don't always have to play in a hurry. And I think that sometimes that can kind of be JB's problem is JB kind of plays in a hurry sometimes. And, turns the basketball over and you can get back and play defense. And that happened to him once tonight and it turned into a good steal and the Celtics went the other way and scored off of it. But um, just have to play under control and control what you obviously can control in the game and not try to turn the basketball over. So, yeah. So one of the, one of the things that the Celtics have, you know, clearly struggled with in the past couple games is wing depth. That was not the case tonight. We saw a lot of performances really across the board from our from our bench players, or I guess Shemi, who started, but typically a bench player, uh, and then Pritchard. 
So we saw some performances that you know we'd love to continue to see, but the Celtics still seem to be missing one piece. Another guy that can come off the bench or or even start and just give you points. You know, we Celtics have the largest trade exception in NBA history, $28.5 million. This has been a, a huge topic of conversation across Boston sports. You know, I've talked about it on this podcast, but as far as TP options for you go, who who would you be targeting? I mean, what what are your like top three guys if you were to go after a couple people with this? Well, first and foremost, I think me and you agree on this just by seeing what you've put on Facebook, what you've said on the podcast. Um, it's Harrison Barnes. I loved Harrison Barnes at UNC. Um, I will tell you I've had a Harrison Barnes jersey before. I want Harrison Barnes to be the guy. I'm all in on that. A wing scorer, a good defender, a championship pedigree with Golden State. Um, Harrison Barnes, first and foremost, is just my guy. I want him to come here. I want him to be in the starting lineup. I want him to push guys like Grant Williams to come off the bench and Semi to come off the bench. And I really want Harrison Barnes. Um, He's top of the top for me. And then my second one, I don't really know. I don't think I've heard you bring this up. But my second one, it was kind of brought to my attention today. And I kind of talked about it. But Thaddeus Young, um, I was thinking about Thaddeus Young today. A good defender. Kind of could play the 3-4, more of a 4 now. But um, don't necessarily know either if he's available. But um, he was kind of my second option, someone that can shoot the 3 space the floor kind of like one of those guys that I really like so I was um so I've I've heard this and I've heard people talk about that is young and my whole problem and I'm not I'm not saying it would be a bad pickup but for the for the money my whole thought process is for me he's just a he's just a bigger slightly thicker version of Grant Williams you know he doesn't shoot the he doesn't shoot the ball well, you know, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's like a career 28% three-point shooter. So he's really not going to stretch the floor. I mean, he's yeah. he's a unbelievable defender. I'll, I'll give him that. So that's that's my only pushback though. You know, overall it's not a bad not a bad guy. But, you know, for me I'm 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 kind of stuck on needing someone that's going to give you some offense. I, I think even this year he's having a, a decent year, but he's still only averaging like, what's it, 10 points? Yeah, it might be um, somewhere around 10, I think. I was just thinking he is another one of those guys to me that, like you said, he can definitely defend, um, and I like the defensive end of it. And I just kind of was thinking to myself that um, – he could give you some sort of boost defensively, but scoring at times he's had a decent year rebound in the basketball. I thought he could help inside. And like you said, for the money, it might not be perfect, but it's 11.1 points per game. He's playing like 25 minutes a game right now, 25 and a half. So it's, I just kind of thought that it was a good, maybe second fit. If it wasn't Harrison Bonds, cause I really don't know how deep my third option would go. Everybody says Aaron Gordon, and I get the, the love of Aaron Gordon. I always wanted the Celtics to draft Aaron Gordon the year he came into the league, but that that love for me is kind of faded, so I'm not as big into the Aaron Gordon thing. 
and I didn't. I don't have a clear cut number two. I don't know if you have a clear cut two behind Harrison Barnes because I really want Danny to go out and get Harrison Barnes. I think that really would help this basketball team. I mean, I don't care what happens if they're healthy and Romeo's maybe comes back and he's healthy. We heard maybe after the all-star break and then Peyton Pritchett continues to play well and Marcus Smart's obviously healthy plus time Lord. I don't know with an addition like Harrison Barnes, I think it would really put the Celtics in the conversation as the best team in the East and the tough, one of the tougher teams to beat with Harrison Barnes. So I've, I've talked about a couple, a couple other names and the other, one of the other big names that I've talked about is also from Sacramento, and it's Buddy Heald. And he's not a guy that is going to give you size, so I'm pretty sure Danny already crossed that off his list because uh, he was saying that he wants shooting with size that can also defend. You know, he's definitely not a big guy, uh, but he can score. But the other guys that, you know, that I've talked about have – kind of been like on the you know the Cavs it's been Jared Allen and Larry Nance Jr. I don't think either of them are really going to be legitimate options either unfortunately because it seems as if the Cavaliers are moving on from Drummond uh and it seems like we've we've heard a lot of talks about Kevin Love leaving as well so I don't know that they would be moving a Jared Allen or a Larry Nance Jr. uh but those are other guys that you know I would definitely put a call out to and see if they have any stock. Um, but those, for me, I mean, I think that they need to be all in on Harrison Barnes. You know, whatever it takes at this point. He fits in the TPE. I mean, we'd still have to move. Again, I talked about this last episode, but we'd still have to move like four million bucks around, like three and a half million, to make the salaries work. Uh, well, they're not getting. I don't think they're getting rid of Daniel Tice. I'm just kidding. But um, the, but I yeah, just, I mean, for a second, go back to Buddy Heald for a second, because I would love the Buddy Heald thing. But I think to uh, to Danny or to anybody, Buddy Heald and JJ Reddick fall in that same category. Obviously, JJ is a veteran, older than Buddy, but I think that I would not be surprised if Danny at this point. He wants to win with the crew he has if he could try to pull off two moves and it's a scorer with size like Harrison Bonds and somebody like J.J. Redick. I don't know if he could get two players from Sacramento, um, obviously with the money and the NBA and the salary cap, but I think that there's two deals to be made. The TPE where it comes to somebody like Harrison Bonds or Thaddeus Young or somebody else, Larry Nance. I mean, if Larry Nance Jr. comes here, then I'm fine with that as well, but um, – if there's two deals to be had by Danny and he can find a way to make a move where he gets JJ and another wing scorer, or if he gets even a true big man, I mean, I don't know that he's in the market for a starting center, but some people think he is. And I wonder if he's one of those people that have called about Andre Drummond and said, Hey, I want a guy that's going to pull down 10 rebounds a night and hope that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are my outside scoring, which obviously they can be. So who knows? But who knows if he may be called about a big man. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't think Andre Drummond fits into the team anyway. I mean, right off the bat, so the, so my big thing is we need to find someone that fits in the TPE. 
Drummond makes like $250,000 more than the TPE accepts. So he's like pretty much off the table anyway, in my eyes. So if we are looking at a big man, I think the only option that everyone seems to be obsessed with is Vucevic. But then at that point, you're definitely offloading a guy like Tice just because you need to move a lot more salary around. Um, But I don't know. For me, I don't. I don't think he can be talking to anybody except for Sacramento at this point. I think Harrison Barnes needs to be that guy. But yeah, I'm just going to be flat out. I, if Danny can't get that done, I, I, it's going to upset me. I think that that's just the perfect fit. and um, I, just, I don't know. I just don't see, even if you have to throw in a first-round pick with the TPE and whatever else, like you said, the money and moving people, you'd obviously have to open up a roster spot. I think that's just is Jeff Teague or Jeff Teague. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think Danny's even happy with the acquisition of Jeff Teague. I thought maybe for about point five of a second that Jeff Teague thing was going to work, but not really. So um, yeah, I just I just think like you said, it's Harrison Bonds a bust. I said it this morning on the Facebook post and everything, and I just think that Danny's got to go make that phone call and say, hey, we we beat beat Toronto tonight it's a good win we'll probably probably get a chance to win again tomorrow night got two in a row we maybe start rolling in the right direction get healthy and then add that piece that puts us in that championship conversation because to me uh, this is off topic just for a second but to me I still think with even the roster they have if they're fully healthy they're at least the top two team in the east right now so when they're at full health so in addition like Barnes might just put them ahead of Milwaukee if you agree with me as Milwaukee being the best team so yeah so I want to want to kind of wrap things up here but before we do I want to look towards the rest of the first half so before today's game Celtics lost eight of their last 12 games so that's eight of their last 15 after today Uh, but we have the third easiest schedule the rest of the first half We have five games and seven nights, including a back-to-back. So tomorrow we're playing Detroit. But we've got Detroit, Washington, Denver, Atlanta, Atlanta, New Orleans, Dallas, Atlanta again, Indy, Washington, Clippers, Toronto. We've got a pretty easy stretch of games. You know, the only two big games that I'm looking at and are – nervous about are Indy and the Clippers. So I'm looking forward to a hopefully very good stretch of basketball for this Celtics team. Uh, right now we're, we're sitting two games above 500. So the Celtics need to make a huge push this second half of the first half. <laughs> so. Yeah, that yeah, second half of the first half. I mean, I would hope that in that stretch of games that you just mentioned, hopefully they only, let's just say, to be positive, they only lose three or four times in that stretch against the teams they're playing. I really hope that tomorrow night, back-to-back wins, you're three games above 500 again, you're trending in the right direction, and I just hope that they can take advantage of that schedule, being the third easiest schedule headed towards the break. Um and at some point in that, I know that Danny said today that Marcus wasn't at 
um, yet, but he's worked out more and he's doing more. So hopefully you get Marcus back during that. Um, yeah, during I still I still think he's probably another like ten days out is my guess. Yeah, I would go. I'd go exactly ten to twelve, somewhere in that, maybe a week and a half to two weeks. But in that stretch, the the three games against Atlanta, I I mean I love Trey Young and I'm a huge Cam Reddish fan. I know Cam Reddish isn't having a great year, but I'm a huge fan of Cam Reddish and that whole I love that Atlanta team. But I think this two two games you take right there, that back to back. Hopefully, you can take two or three from them, or maybe you even take all three from them. Um, like yeah. you said, but the Clippers worry me with Kawhi and Paul George, and that's a good roster. And then Indiana, I think you were only worried, and I would be worried too because of Miles Turner, who has just been a force for them and can take up the middle so much, and they could really tear you apart with points in the paint. So Yeah. Yep, well, that's what we got. Uh, Rob, I appreciate you hopping in the podcast. Uh, if you haven't followed me on Twitter, guys, at NBA Celtics Guy, uh, make sure to give me a five star review on the podcast. Uh, and make sure to tune in again tomorrow night. New podcast coming out. Talk to you soon. Have a good night, Celtics fans. I can't help it. I'm all like a Celtic. I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. I'm all like a Celtic. I can't help it. I'm all like a Celtic.